This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here at Asia Torah in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Western Wall. Today I decided to take people's questions and I, I, whenever I ask people of questions they always look at me like blank face like we weren't expecting that. And so I figured out a way to trigger the questions by just saying what would be your question to God? What's your question to God? And if you, if you think about it that way, suddenly questions come out. And you guys did great. Like a bunch of questions came out immediately as soon as we had questions to God. Now, of course, I'm not God, so you want to open the door for these ladies so they know they can come in. Ladies, come on in. It's a drop-in class. You dropped in more than anybody here. Table for, oh, you're four? Okay, table for four. Table for two, table for two. Sorry to put you right in front, but that's the brakes. Alright, um, so, so I'm looking at these questions, why do kids suffer? Oh, I was just saying that, that I'm not God and I don't have the answers for God. Um, but I do have uh, two things. I have... Uh, I have three things. I have years of studying with a great Kabbalist who, who thinks a lot about this stuff. I also have uh, years of studying Jewish books. And I also have uh, it, my own intuition and life experience. So let's see how I can tackle, tackle these questions. Um, and, uh, and in a way, we're kind of presuming that, that we'd understand like that, that we don't. What are we really saying when we ask questions to God? We're saying, I don't understand this, but we're also presuming that you're supposed to. Who says you're supposed to? I mean, there's certain things you just. There's certain things in life you just don't get to understand, you know, like the. the so we also have to understand that. Like, there's certain things that we just don't get. We're not privy to understand such things. You know, uh, Random stuff happens. People die all of a sudden. Like there's just no way to understand those things. Um, why good people have to be harmed sometimes? Like for example, you'll see the first question is why do kids suffer cruelty? Like, and that may be beyond our understanding. So, so let's see. Um, and the number one and two are very connected because the second one is why are we punished for sins of a different life? which is a good answer of why kids might suffer cruelty, is that it came from a different life. But then we just have to ask, why? Okay, so let's look into it. Now, um, one of the answers for, for why kids suffer cruelty is, um, and obviously we're not asking the question of why do people perpetrate uh, cruelty to kids. That's a, that's a whole other question, which we're not going to deal with. Uh, for some reason, that we took for granted, that people... People are cruel to kids sometimes, and and so our question is just more on the kids' side of the equation of why why do kids have to deal with that? And you know, you know, if if you if you put what kids suffer, because every single kid suffers. Like like I suffered some things when I was a kid. 
And, but I was bubble wrapped. You know, I was a UPS package bubble wrap, like nothing really went wrong. And the stuff that went wrong for me that I suffered, you would consider like a joke compared to what kids suffer. Yeah. <laughs> Little white kid problems, yes. And, and um, right. And so, but here's the interesting thing is that I did discover throughout my life that whatever problems I suffered, which were like a joke of a problem, wound up uh, being uh, majorly, uh, majorly absorbed in my, in my sense of self in a negative way. Like they majorly uh, affected me and, my, and a negative self-image as a result. Even though they were like really benign. I mean, they were far from cruelty. Like no cruelty. But, but whatever, it was whatever my, you know, if cruelties, real cruelties on a scale of 10, the things that happened to me were like 0.01. And, but, but they became absorbed into me and in my sense of self in very, very negative ways. And in fact, they were absorbed in me so negatively that over years and years of working with people in my seminars and the possible you, I've found that people who suffered even intolerable cruelty, like real heinous, you know, malevolence by at the at the hands of others, and did not have it worse internally than I did. Which is just an interesting thing that that it doesn't matter so much. Can you slide a teeny bit this way because the lady behind you is yeah, perfect. So that it's a you know, it's just kind of an interesting thing because because when something goes wrong when you're a kid, you can't help but have it have it it make a stamp on your identity. It becomes who you are in a way, or in a big way. And, and so now that's who you are, which is like, yikes. And, and it's very interesting that it doesn't matter how cruel it is. That, that, becomes, that becomes the stamp. That's, that becomes ultimately who you are. Um, hey, how's it going? Uh, you, you guys want to sit together or you don't mind? Okay, so you can sit with her and he'll sit with him. Sorry, I just don't want to rearrange now. Okay, I seat people. I, I think I was a maitre d' in a previous life. So, and just slide a little more towards her, because otherwise you're blocking the poor dude behind you. Yeah. You can be friends, the two of you. She doesn't bite. She's a nice lady. Yeah. Yes, well, he's been sitting there for a while, so I figure you shouldn't have to move. Anyway... Uh, Anyway, the um, so so let's just get back into it. it. It doesn't matter what you went through when you were a kid, if it was difficult or all the way to cruelty. It it becomes your sense of self. Well, now you've got to compensate for that because you can't go through your life with a horrible sense of self. And so, what do you do? You create a whole other self, like a self B, or really self C, because self A is the real self. Self B is the self you took on because of whatever you went through. Self C is the self you took on. It's like the third self. Yeah, it's not so good. Self C is the third self you have, which is the self you're basically, you, that you've constructed so as not to ever have to deal with self B. Of whatever, you know, you don't want, any, you don't want anything ever touching the stuff you went through when, you, when self B developed. And we all do this. Every one of us walks around as self-see unless you have 
gone through some kind of transformative work, at which point you get to go back to self A, which is where I hang out. I'm generally in self A. And so I have my little child inside of me, but he's also outside of me, and we're always kind of partying together. <laughs> but I did a lot of work. I cried a lot of tears. I, I, you know, I held that kid, and I also went through like many layers of my onion into different self B, you know, negative thoughts about myself, and 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 I also excavated all the personality stuff that I moved, all my chess moves I made in personality for self C to survive those self B negatives feelings about myself and so i so once you once you really get in there you can actually go back to self a which is the beautiful child inside of all of us is a beautiful child but the thing is is that no one's exempt from this that's kind of my point is that is that yeah we don't like cruelty to children but even a bubble wrapped child like i was like i was a ups package you like a, a like a crystal crystal wine glass packaged perfectly that could not have been broken was still smashed to smithereens over stupid stuff and and so and that became the genesis of my personality and so too all the people I've ever met who who suffered some heinous things I mean I've I've had to deal with you know really horrible stories I mean stories that would just make you want to fall on the ground and cry the rest of your life and and they and they uh but those stories, those same cruel stories, catapulted them onto their, on, into a personality. Now, here's the amazing thing, is that those personalities that they created are often pretty awesome personalities. The self-C, the self-image C, they're pretty awesome personalities. I mean, and what do you, what do you think of, uh, I mean, what do you think of rock stars? You know, like, there's some pretty awesome rock stars out there, and I promise you that's their self-C that they're playing with. That's self-C singing. And uh, I know most of them wind up choking on their vomit at four in the morning, and, you know, they have their, they have a, you know, there's deeper things going on over there and the, with those people, and, and, and it's not that much deeper than ours, but it's exacerbated. Usually if you read their biographies, they, things went really sideways in their childhood, and, you know, pretty nasty stuff took place, but they happened to be particularly beautiful or particularly good voices, or they were trained particularly, you know, methodically on, inst- on instruments, and they became rock stars. They became rock stars or whatever. But their self-see personalities are pretty awesome. They're pretty awesome, and they, they're the music, I mean, the, their music and their art has shaped my life. You know, uh, raise your hand if you've been shaped by the arts, you know, in, in how you look at the world around you. So you, all of your hands should be up, but you don't realize it. Or you're raised Haredi. <laughs> 200 years ago, the Haredi community, they, uh, 200 years of the Haredi community, when they saw the Enlightenment movement, you know, 200 years ago there was the Enlightenment so when they saw the Enlightenment, they were like, it was like 230 years ago. But when they saw the Enlightenment, they were just like, they were just like, this is not going to work. You know, like, we're, we're not doing the Enlightenment thing. And so what they do, they opened up the Mishnah. And in the Mishnah, it says, Al shloshat devarim haolam omid. On three things, the world stands. On Torah, study of Torah. On Avoda, prayer. And on acts of kindness. And then they said from then on, like, 
whatever you do, it has to hit those three criteria. Otherwise, it is what you say in Yiddish, pasnisht, which means it's out. Yeah, culture is out. No culture, like zero culture. Torah study, prayer, acts of kindness. Those are your three choices, and we suggest you choose all three. Yeah, <laughs> and so the uh, but those of us raised in with some culture have been shaped by the arts in the way we see the world and everything. But I promise you, those people are real messes. <laughs> when you when you meet the real artists, the ones that really shaped us, they are. You know, usually they're disasters on the, in their, you know, their their self see reactions to some pretty horrible stuff. But greatness, absolute greatness, actual absolute achievement. I don't know what any of us would achieve if it wasn't for this, for God's setup of self A, self B, and self C. And you can track it through our Torah as well. Moses had to spend his entire life, his entire, sorry, childhood in a horrible situation. He couldn't talk because he burned his mouth on a coal when he was a little kid. And uh, when he was a baby, he was an infant and like picked up a coal. He saw a bright coal and just picked it up and popped it in his mouth and lost his ability to speak as a result. He was raised without his, without his family, without his, his siblings and he was raised alone, basically isolated in, in a Gentile environment. Okay, it was the palace, but it's not your family. You know, he was basically an orphan. And, uh, and, then, uh, and then his part B, that was part B. So part A was just beautiful little Moses. Part B is, you know, thrashed Moses with a burned tongue. He can't talk. You know, yeah, thrown away, basically, and stuck in the... Stuck in a foreign environment, nothing's going his way over there, and uh, and then and then his part C is like, where does he wind up? Totally isolated in the Midian Mountains, shepherding sheep. You know, that's it. Isolated in the mountains, shepherding sheep, and you can see he's pretty cool with that too, because when God comes to him in a burning bush, he does nothing but argue about going to going to fulfill his role. Meaning, God says. I got a role for you, Moses, and that's to save the Jews. You know, you're going to get the Torah, like all that stuff. Moses is just like, you know, not me. You know, take somebody else, please. You know, I can't even talk. You know, and the and he was like, he was like, take somebody else. So you see, he's like, he was fighting over this. You know, yeah, I'll like, I'll stay up here in the mountains with the sheep, please. I'll choose the sheep. Now, now, very interestingly, he became Moses. He became one of the greatest leaders of all time. But where did he get it? Where did he get all his skill sets? Well, he had two major things he had to do. He had to receive a Torah. That requires great humility. You know, there's no greater way to get humble than not being able to talk. I mean, how do you, how do you impose your self-image on others? It's usually through speech. Looks are a lot about it. But if you looked good but couldn't talk... You wouldn't do very well in life. It's your speech. It's how you articulate yourself. Is how you're negotiating your self-image with others. That's really how you do it. You know, looks only goes. Looks is only the very first. Uh, what do you call it? The first impression. After that, you know, you're you're going to be with your mouth now. Yeah, everything else is going to be coming out with your language. And and Moses didn't have that option. 
and I don't know how handsome he was, but uh, but he just chose the mountaintops, you know. and and so so the uh, oh you know it'd be great if you can turn off the air conditioner that'll be listen listen to the difference you probably have no idea what's been going on here but watch this thank you. That is a lesson in stress management. That you can have things going on directly affecting your central nervous system. And no clue. Did any of you have any clue? Everyone take a deep breath. Feel the difference. I'll take the drilling outside. At least it's intermittent. Like I at least know it's drilling and not just being s absorbed by my central nervous system. Very different feeling. So I'm getting all present now because of the beautiful child in me. He likes to get present, but I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. <laughs> um, where are we at? Ladies, remind me what I was talking about. What Moses? Yeah. So, but who's the who? Like, who's the greatest ever? I mean, before I was talking about rock stars, but who's the greatest shaper of all mankind? Like the very furniture of humanity's minds and and hearts and morality and and you know like the 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 way life works. It was him. He was the one. Yeah. Well, no, I'm talking about the fact that his life, A, was this beautiful baby. Which was, his name wasn't even Moses. That's the funny thing. It's like nothing was going right for this guy. His name was, was, was a Vigdor and Tuvia. A Vigdor and Tuvia was his name. And uh, Moses is Egyptian. It means from the water because she named him. The daughter of Pharaoh, Bacha, named him. Mo Moshe, because she drew him, Moshe Sihu, she drew, drew him, Egyptian, to draw as Nimshoch. Yeah, it's got the same root, more or less. What? nice i never heard it like that that's cool that's cool anyway but there were two t two things he had to do one is get the torah how do you get the torah you have to be which guy the most the most accomplished or the most humble which one most humble all you need is humility you don't need even a lot of brains your job is humility okay taken care of by the first cruel situation of having, having to eat a coal a hot coal goes into his mouth okay so He's ready for that. And what's the second thing he needed? What's the second thing he needed? He needed leadership. He needed to know how to guide a nation through a desert for 40 years. Well, what, do you want, what was his other part of life see? Shepherd. Shepherd. Humble and shepherd. Wow. His life, be, his burn turned him into a move of like backing out away from people. That was, caused all the humility. That, from that, he got the terror. I'm just giving a non-rock star example. And then, and he shaped the world a lot more than any artist did. And then, 
And then the other thing was leadership. Well, how do you get leadership? And the answer is you lead sheep around the desert for a while, taking care of the ones that are, you know, sheep get ill, sheep get worms, sheep get, you know, all kinds of stuff happen to sheep out there. And he took care of those sheep. And in fact, our, we have a medrash that says that when one of the sheep was really badly off, he picked it up, took it, and like he could have just left it to die, but he took it and he carried it himself all the way back on his shoulders. And, uh, and that's when God realized he's got the right guy. This, this is it. Like, this is the guy. And, and so taking care of all those sheep turned out to be exactly what you needed for t- the two roles, because he has two very different roles. <laughs> One is the humility to get the Torah, and the second is the ability to lead, which came from the sheep. So why do kids suffer cruelty? Yeah. Why do kids suffer cruelty? So... The, well, I can't answer that question, but I did say a lot so far about the genesis of personality and how it is that we can make a difference. Now, just the last thing I'd say is that, that the last move someone should make is, is self-D. And self-D, self-A was the beautiful child. Self-B was the hurt child. Self-C was the, the, um, ch- the, com- yeah, the compensatory self that we compensate for self B. Self D is you put it all together with the beautiful. You reintegrate the beautiful child into everything you got good at. You fix yourself. You heal yourself. Like a healed musician would be someone like Sting. The musician Sting, he's a man who's, who's healed his life. You know, a healed musician would be John Anderson of Yes. Um, these are m- great musicians whose music has led them into their senior ages, and they have not yet, uh, they, they only impress as they go on. They're like wine, these guys. Now, not too many musicians are like wine. Most musicians are dead. And then uh, the ones that kept going are boring and are recreating themselves constantly, sorry, reinventing the same guy. Or not inventing, they're recycling themselves. And then there's these individuals that have reinvented themselves. And those are real, those are real D, uh, life D people. And if you read their biographies, I mean, it's so clear that, that they've, reinvent, they've rediscovered and found themselves at the at later parts of their careers. They've found themselves. In fact, Sting's got a magnum opus of a book. It's like this thick big fat book that's got to be one of the best reads because he was one of the best lyricists of music's history. So he wrote a big fat book and guess where the whole book begins? The whole book begins with him in the Amazon on ayahuasca on his dis- discovery of himself. Yeah, in an ayahuasca ceremony with the Indians of the Amazon. That's pretty interesting. But you see that he's just like wine. He just keeps getting better and better as his career goes on. Um, when his career started, I was in sixth grade. No, I was in fifth grade. <laughs> so, you know, that was, that was 40 years ago was when it started. And I saw him first in the, watching him playing with the police. And he was a shipbuilder's son, living in the shadow of a giant shipyard in England. And his future was to be a
why do you have to pay for your cosmic debt from a previous life? You weren't there. I mean, you were there. Your soul was there, but... You but, know, you know you're, why do you have to pay for your cosmic debt? You have no memory of it. You weren't... It wasn't this brain in this life. It was a previous life. The previous brain, previous free will, you know, scenarios. Obviously, you made bad moves, and now you're, you're paying for some of them. And, and which ones do you pay for exactly? Because I imagine that most of the things you do wrong in this world, you pay for on your way out of here. You know, when you have...
years, from uh, around two, uh, 1999 till 2000 something. And, uh, and it, it, my data matched that. It was the same.
You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.